I want to get into this uh, series. Have you been able to track with our series online? Have you been watching online? Uh, our online attendance has been amazing. It's been phenomenal. People are sharing and reposting. It's going around the world, and the response has been just phenomenal, what's been going with our online, whether it's Facebook, uh, whether it's been, uh, uh, well, all of our platforms for that matter, YouTube. And so thank you for being a part. I want to continue with our series as we're in this series called Self-Inflicted. Self-Inflicted. Has anyone besides me ever struggled to do the right thing? Okay, Everyone, please raise one hand, and then I'll ask the question. Hold it up, hold it up. Has anyone ever struggled to do the right thing? Oh, look, me too. Good. Yeah, I didn't want you lying in church, so I'm just helping you out right now. Yes, one of the worst, one of the most frustrating, set, uh, fr frustrating, uh, self-inflicted things in life are, are setbacks that we that we bring on ourselves. I set myself back. I did something to myself. It's one thing if somebody else does it, but me damage myself. Have you ever declared I'm going on a diet and then you cheated within the first hour? I mean, it just did not work. You're like, you set yourself back. Like, this is not good, right? Yeah, I, me, too, me too. You ever spent money instead of saving it? You know, you went to Walmart to go buy a toothbrush and came home with $175 worth of stuff. Like, how did this happen? Who put this in my basket, right? I know. I get it. Have you ever, have you ever heard people gossiping and you participated instead of walking away? Oh, look, you see, there were, there were fewer amens. Nobody wanted to raise their hand and admit nothing here, but that's okay. I'm coming to you. We all, we've all done these things like, what was I thinking? Why did I do this? And we actually set ourselves back. One time I was watching a hunting program on TV, and, uh, man, it was just at the, at, at the moment where the guy had the bow drawn back, and, and this big buck was about to step out in the clearing. Up. Man, it, it, the moment's on. It, it's, it's the moment, and heartbeat's picking up, and I'm watching. And Cindy comes walking in and starts talking to me about something going on with the house. And I'm like watching, like th this is the moment, like this, it's, it's, it's game on. And she's talking like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, yeah. I, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not really paying Anybody, any husbands know what I, okay, yeah, yeah. I, it's like I was, entertainment and what I enjoyed was actually holding me hostage. She was trying to make plans to bless our home, but I was distracted by my entertainment, by my will versus what she was trying to do. And I actually allowed pleasure to fight the advance of our home. Sometimes we have, our will gets in the way. Our will, things that I want to do, gets in the way of what God wants to do. Has anyone, does anyone know that there is a difference between your will and God's will? Because I need to inform some folks, they might be here that, okay, you're not God. You do understand that, right? Whatever I want is what happens. Well, okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. We all, we all go there, and my will can cause me problems in life, self-inflicted problems. I see that happen actually with a guy named King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15, I'm, not, I'm just going to tell you the story. I don't want to take time to read it right now because I want to get to some really good encouraging news, but this is something we need to hear today. King Saul uh, was God's chosen dude in, the, in, in, in that alignment in order to lead Israel. And God had given the command that I want all the Amalekites, some call them the Amalekites, however you pronounce it, I want that whole army, I want those that, I, they need to be destroyed, wiped off the face of the, the evil, the paganism, the things that they were doing. When Israel came out of Egypt and they were on the way to the promised land, they had just come out of Egypt, 400 years of slavery, and they're coming out. And the Amalekites were the very first army to attack them from behind, trying to destroy them while they're just on the beginning of their journey. 
And God declared war on the Amalekites for the rest of time. He said, they are to be wiped out. Don't get it twisted. I want them gone. King Saul approaches the Amalekites, the Amalekites, and he's taking them on. And in the middle of fighting, Israel wins the battle. But instead of destroying all of them, King Saul goes, you know what? I'm enjoying this. I'm going to keep the king of that, King Agag. Keep him. Don't kill him. Oh, 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 and by the, by the way, all the sheep, all the goats, uh, I, I, please, please, please save those. Oh, and, and, and all of that, that, the money, bring the money. He, he, he had a stash of stuff. He won. He defeated him, but he didn't annihilate or just wipe it out the way God had said. And so King Saul is now marching around in front of all the Israelites. Yeah, look who I got, I got King Agag right here. That dude, I, I defeated him. And there was something where, where King Saul's kind of enjoying the moment of look what I did, parading it around. Instead of God getting the glory for it, somehow now King Saul is getting the glory for the very thing that, 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 that God had told him to do. And, and, and King Saul, in this process, in his mindset, he begins to think, how can I work this thing out for my good? How, how can I? So, so he, tried, he tried to make spiritual excuses for disobeying God so he could do what he wanted to do. I don't know if anybody in this room can, can relate with King Saul right here, but I can because I remember when I was a kid, I, I, was a, I was a preacher's kid, so I was raised to pray. I was raised to pray, but I learned how to make prayer work for me instead of for God. So I prayed for a motorcycle. God, give me a motorcycle. Just, just give me a great motorcycle. In fact, one so I will, I will ride and bring kids to, to church if you'll give me. A, I will put them on the, I will just, I'll, I'll flood the house. I'll just witness for you on my, it, I was praying those kinds of, look at me crazy if you want to. That's how I prayed when I was a kid. God, give me a motorcycle. I'll use it for your glory. But, but see, some of y'all looking at me and judging me, but you got lotto tickets in your purse right now. Lord, I just bought this ticket, and I just, if, you, if you'll just, if you'll let me, give me the numbers, Lord, give me the numbers. I will bless your house. I'll take care of your house. I will give to your house. I will give that 8%, t- t- well, not, okay, 10%. What if he asked for it all? Never mind. Let me just keep on going. I just, I just, I just, the reason I check my horoscope is so I know how to pray this week. That's what I'm doing. I'm just going to go back here because I don't think anybody's liking this message right here. You see, Saul was disobeying God and trying to justify it. He was in that place of struggling with this. And and in fact, Samuel the prophet comes along and gets up in King Saul's grill and he calls him out. This is crazy. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22. Check this out. 1 Samuel 15 22. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice. Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. You see, King Saul began to tell everybody, well, the reason I saved all these sheep and all these goats is so I can, I can come back. I saved the best so I could sacrifice it to the Lord. Oh, that's convenient. You weren't thinking sacrifice when you saved it. You were thinking how it's going to make me look. But now he's trying to spin it and make it spiritual when it's truth. He, it was full-blown disobedience. He, he, was, he, was, he was offering God something he had tried to keep for himself, but now he's trying to work his way out. And he was trying to actually buy his way out of disobedience. He was trying to play a game. It's almost like saying, Someone bought me a Jeep, but they robbed a bank to do it. So will I justify them robbing the bank because I got the Jeep? It's, it, it, it's playing with this. In fact, it was so out of order, the prophet Samuel looks back at King Saul 
And here's what he says. He tells him this. He says, what you've done is in full-blown rebellion to God. And by the way, rebellion is equal to witchcraft. What is rebellion? Manipulation, intimidation, and domination. You're trying to manipulate. You're trying to intimidate. You're trying to dominate, overthrow, overpower the will. Anybody in your world who tries to manipulate you is operating in witchcraft. Anybody who's trying to dominate or intimidate you, trying to be lost, it's witchcraft according to the Bible. And Samuel called out Saul. He says, you're literally attempting witchcraft against God to try to get God to do what you want to do. You're twisting God. You're trying to manipulate God. It's the same thing that the serpent did to Eve. And early on in Genesis, where, where she's standing there in front of the tree and the serpent comes up and goes, did God really say this? And begins to play with God's words to twist it so that Eve could get what she wanted while God could also get what he wanted as if there was a plan B to God's will and God's plan. And this is exactly where things were with Samuel and with Saul. He says, you're trying to rebel. And so here's just two quick points and we're going to move on. Number one is this. Partial obedience is full disobedience. Partial obedience is full-blown disobedience. Now, here's the truth. None of us knock it out of the park every day of the week. No, I'm waiting on some folks to clap and shout and bounce right there because, I'm, you know, we all struggle in some area of our life. Just look at your neighbor. Don't say a word. Just look at your neighbor. You, you online, you can just kind of put eyeballs up there on the Just look. They, they, they struggle. They, they've got to struggle. None of us are 100% all the time. We've got to struggle. But here's, here's what the word is saying. It's not about perfection. It's about the pursuit. Are you coming after me? You're going to fall. You are human. You're going to make the mistakes. But are you falling forward? Are you coming after me? Because when you fall forward, my grace catches you and I carry you forward. It's keep the right head. Keep the right heart. Keep calling yourself out. Deal with you, realize you've got potential to jack this whole thing up, but if you'll keep calling on me, I'll lead you forward in this thing, but you've got to do it my way. So point number one is this, and, and King Saul was learning this, partial obedience is full disobedience. And then here comes point two, and I'm almost done with this, and that is, here, here's the point. Today's rebellion will come back to destroy me tomorrow. Today's disobedience will come back to destroy me tomorrow. Because here is, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. King Saul brought King Agag back. King Agag knew his days were numbered, that he was going to be killed. Somewhere between him being captured and brought back to Israel's camp and being killed, he slept with one of the girls in the camp. She became pregnant. With his seed. Rabbis began to tell us that this story took place and it produced what we see later on where there was a young girl named Esther. Esther is now before the king and she's talking to the king about saving her people, the Jewish people, because a man named Haman had built gallows that he was going to hang. Every Jew was going to die. And Esther said, for such a time of, as this, I've come to the kingdom to defend my people. The Bible actually says in, in the book of Esther that Haman was an Agagite. He came through the lineage of King Agag. In other words, the child that he, birthed, he, had, he, he, he fathered with that young girl 
created a lineage that continued because he ref Saul refused to kill and destroy it. It outlasted him. That's why the, you see, God had, had declared, I want them all gone. I don't want you to play with this. Deuteronomy 25, 19, you must destroy the Amalekites and erase their memory from under heaven. Never forget this. But Saul saved Agag. Agag has a baby. His lineage produces Haman. Haman tries to destroy all of God's people once again. And we have the mess. Here it is. What we don't kill will reproduce and come back to destroy us. You do not have to live with pregnant regret for the rest of your life because our regrets will come back you see the truth is you and I need to be dealing parents we need to be dealing with things in our days so our kids don't have to deal with some of these things there's some issues that I need to kill that my son should never have to face in his life, in his marriage. I set a new standard because it was on my watch. Ladies and gentlemen, everyone here, you watching online, there is an enemy on your watch that God has a plan to utterly destroy. But if you and I walk in partial obedience, we've walked in full disobedience, and it's going to get pregnant, and it's going to birth some things that are coming down the line. And if I don't deal with it now, I might need deliverance from it later. I need God. God to help me stand and do what's right right now. Deal with the issue, the things that are secret, the things that are hidden that nobody knows about, the things that I've got hidden away. I've got a private life. I've got a secret life. I've got a family life. I've got to bring it all before God and say, God, I want you to be rain, rain, and let your, let your word lead and guide every piece and part of my life, not just things that people can see, but things people cannot see. I want full synergy. I want integrity with my life. I bring it to you that I can serve you with all of it. If not, we'll live with these self-inflicted setbacks and hurts and pain. We won't get away with anything. It's a spiritual principle. It's a law. It will get pregnant. It will give birth, and we'll fight it all over again. We've got to deal with some things. See, God's plan is self-inflicted advance, self-inflicted blessing. This is what God has planned for you. And let me put it this way. Radical obedience to God is the only road to real advance in your life. Radical obedience. Everyone say radical obedience. I know we don't even like to put those two words together, do we? Truth is, we don't like the word obedient. You hear someone say obey, you go, oh, kiss my grits. We, we, we push back because like, who do you, who you think? No, no, no. But, but we, we, we've got to deal with this because this is God's word telling us. Radical obedience is the only way to advance. And I know some of y'all are taking exception with that right now because you know somebody who is not obedient to God and they've got radical advance in their life. Well, let me help you with something. That, that radical advance is coming. They swiped a card, but the bill is coming later. I, I, I promise you, you, you don't just get away with it. The Bible says in, in Proverbs chapter 10 that the blessings of the Lord add no sorrow with it. In other words, when God blesses you, there's no string attached that you're going to have to pay for it later on. I know you got ahead and you made a ton of money and you made this happen, but you did some things illegal and it's a matter of time before the IRS catches up with you and you're going to be on bad boys, bad boys, what they're going to do, what they're going to, they're going to march you. Because there's, there's a cost that comes with doing things outside of God's plan, God's way. It might not be immediate. It might not be next year, but eventually it will manifest. The regret will get pregnant. It's going to birth something in my life because I didn't deal with it. I've got to live in radical obedience to God's word. So how does obedience work? I'm glad you asked because it's in my notes today. 
very quickly, here it is. James chapter 4, verse 7. Get this down. This is how you advance. I want to show you why obedience matters. I want to show you the power of obedience in your life. You watching online, I'm talking to you. This is how it works. James 4, 7. Place yourselves under God's authority. Resist the devil and he will run away from you. Three points, we're out of here. Get this down. Get this in your spirit. You want to know what advance looks like? This is it right here. Number one, place yourself under God's will. What the word is saying is arrange your life under the will of God. How many know that we all have an opinion in this room? Oh, yes, we do. How many know sometimes it's a good one? Yes. We have to learn what it is to have that thing run through our head, but then i got to check it in at the door of how does God feel about this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, if you've never been tested this way, go to Walmart on a Saturday. You will have all kinds of ideas and opinions and words run through. I had 3,001 words run through my head the other day when I'm walking through dealing with some folks. Only two of them were holy. So I looked at him and I said, bless you. That's all I could tell him because I just had to get, sometimes you just got to keep on walking, man, because I've got to check that thing. I've got to check the attitude. I've got to check how I want to respond. It's got to come under the obedience of God's word because if not, if I don't deal with it, it's going to propagate and get worse, get pregnant and birth some pain in my life. But if I do it God's way, I get God's results. See, my decisions are my choices I have to submit myself. The Bible says submit yourself. God's not forcing you. If you submit to God, it's your decision. It literally means to bow and bend under the open hand of God. I'll deal with that next week in our blessing message. To bow, to bend, to duck, to get out of the way. When I submit, I duck. And the shots fired at me go over my head and God deals with the issues in my life. I would much rather God deal with it than me have to deal with it. This is exactly what God's word is saying. So place yourself under God's will. Number two, then resist the enemy of your life. You can't go to two until you do one. I know some folks who are trying to, in the name of Jesus, and, 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 and that's powerful, and that's biblical, but, but it's a little bit out of order. Submit yourself to God, then resist the enemy. There's some folks that are trying to resist and fight and rebuke and they're coming at it and they're declaring things and nothing's changing and they think God's word is broke. When the truth is their, their, their life is out of order. Submit first. Then God's authority comes on your life. And what you declare in the name of Jesus has power. It has authority. It has a punch that makes hell back up. That is the game changer in our life. Because I trust him, I submit my life to him, and now I come after him. Resist, resist. What does the word resist mean? It literally means this, to withstand, to, uh, to oppose, and to push back. How do I oppose the enemy in my life? How do I resist? How do I rebuke the enemy? Through my obedience. It's not sexy, I know. And we don't see anything powerful behind it, but I want you to understand, when you hold your voice, when you're at Walmart, and you choose to say, bless you, and keep on walking instead of everything you wanted to say, what you did is you actually resist, you, you submitted to God, and you resisted the enemy at the exact same time, and he lost more authority, more power in your life. He is getting weaker, you're getting stronger because you stood in line with God's word. How is it that we, that we walk, how do we push back on the enemy? You do that by making sure that you're in God's house. 
I come and I worship. I'm giving him my time. I promise you, your life is not neutral. Your life is not weaker. Your life is stronger in Jesus spiritually because you've been in his house today. You watching online, your faith is growing. Something changes. It ups your life. It ups your game because you've been where his word has been declared. Giving. When I give, it connects my heart to him. When I'm serving, it connects. When I open my Bible and discover God's will, God's plan, how can I do God's will if I can't discover God's will? I've got to see what his plan is for my life, my marriage, my money, how to raise kids, how to deal with boneheaded people. I've got to learn all this kind of stuff. God's word will show you and give you these things in life. Jumping in small groups, all of these things, places you go, people you hang with, all of that has to do with opposing. There are some people that are not pushing you towards Jesus. Run, Forrest, run. If they're not pushing me to Jesus, they're pulling me from Jesus. I've got to make some quality decisions in my life. So place yourself under God's will. Resist the enemy. And then the Bible says, number three, the enemy will run from you. Immediately, you become a threat to hell. Now, let me, let me help you because our culture today very few people, according to what stats tell us, that attend church actually believe there's a real devil. They actually, they actually doubt that there's a real enemy. That Satan is a fabricated ideology that, you know, just has to do with when bad things happen. He's got these little horns that will pitch for it. You know, okay, you can make him as cute as you want to. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't believe that there is a true force of evil, then you're already a casualty of the war. We have to raise, if there is a good, there has to be a bad. If there is a righteous, there has to be an evil. And our God is not the creator of evil, therefore there has to be a different source of this. That source is after you. Don't think that, well, just me, I just live in Polk County, man. I'm just sucking air, paying taxes, getting through. No, trust me, if you're married, he's got a bullseye on your marriage. If you got kids, he's after your kids. He wants their mind. He wants their future. He wants their purpose. He wants everything out of them. He's there to bring, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what God's word tells us about him. I either believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, we either believe this or we don't believe this book. We're all, either all in or all out. And I'm telling you, there is a real enemy. But when we live our lives submitted to God, we resist through obedience. We have the ability to turn, to, to stand our ground and watch him turn and actually run from us because of the lifestyle that we live. You're not living as a victim. You're living as a victor. The Bible says that, that when the, the enemy runs, he has to get out of your presence. It literally means to spin and to run from danger. You become dangerous to the enemy of your life. I love this promise. You see, when we get under God's plan, God puts us over the enemy's plan. When I do it his way, I get it. That's why Romans 8.35, I got to read these verses. Chill out. We're almost done. If you're taking medication, it's 11.17. You're going to be just fine. But watch this, watch this, watch this. Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. What does it say? No, no, no. Read, read the underlying part. Really? No. In all, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in the creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Here's what Paul said. He said, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what kind of hell is brewing in your life. I don't know what the attack has been like. He said, but in all of these things. Someone shout in. 
Not after it's over. Not after it's done. Not after you survived it. While you're going through it. While you're still crying. While you're still wondering if God cares. While you're still wondering if God works. If you'll hold on and walk in obedience to God's word in these things. We are still more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. You're getting stronger. Your life is advancing. You're not going under. You're going over. You're a powerhouse. You're a heavyweight in this thing. Do you understand that hell will run from you when you hold your peace, hold, stand your ground, do it God's way. Life works for you. You have authority against attacks over your mind. You have authority over attacks in your body. You have authority over attacks in your finances, in your home, over your kids, in your marriage. You have authority that hell does not. Do you understand your obedience is kryptonite to hell's power. Hell cannot handle when someone submits themselves to the power of God. It's got to back up because what comes on you is not natural and hell was never built to handle the Jesus on the inside of you. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Life gets better from here when we do it his way. So we push back. We push back. Radical obedience to God, it will heal your heart. Radical obedience to God will direct your life. Radical obedience to God will grow my finances. Radical obedience to God, I will avoid setbacks. When I walk in radical obedience to God, I raise powerhouse kids in my house that will declare the goodness of God and know a strong foundation. When I walk in radical obedience to God, it brings me to the right people in my life. When I walk in radical obedience to God, I walk away from foolishness also in my life. When I walk in radical obedience to God, purpose comes alive in my life. Everything changes when I get connected to radical obedience to God. Stand to your feet if you would. We've got to do it God's way to get God's results. We're living in a day and age where our culture is screaming for truth. And if the church, if believers don't learn to stand with a truth greater than the opinion of culture, greater than the opinion of our race, greater than the opinion of our politics, greater than the opinion of any, if I don't learn to stand on that truth that is God's word, if this is the only thing that'll work, Washington, D.C. is starving for this. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. California is starving for this. Florida is starving for this. My home, your home has got to have this infused every day. You understand that this is the only thing that's going to work in our world, the only thing. And it's not just because we quote the 23rd Psalm, as great as that is. It's when I live that book. It's when I walk by that book. When it brings me to a place of repentance. When it brings me to a place of humility. When I humble myself because God's word reigns supreme. When I do it that way, ladies and gentlemen, everything changes. The truth is this. This is the greatest day for the church of Jesus Christ that we have ever had right now. When the world is spinning out of control, if the believers would stand up based on standing on the truth of God's word, the world would spend looking for something that is anchored, that is solid, that is true, that's loving, that's healing, that's righteous, that's forward, that's justice. It would all change and spin if this was what the world, we've got to be that for our culture, for our family, for our neighborhoods. We've got to be that for our coworkers. 
we stand on God's word. Everything changes that way. I want us to pray today. And that's when I say I want us to pray, I want you to pray over you as I pray over me. And you watching online, you pray over you. Because only you, only I can submit ourselves. You can't submit me and I can't submit you. You got to decide for yourself, my way or his way. That's the only two options. My way, his way. I tried my way, it doesn't work. I need his way. You probably have found that out too. Let's do that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are coming to you today with our hearts bowed in submission to you. Every tactic I've tried outside of your word, your will, and your way has failed utterly. It has cost me beyond what I can afford. I need your plan. I need your truth. I need your hope. I need your direction. I need your wisdom. I need your purpose alive in me so that the distractions will leave my life and I will see clearly who you are and follow through the fray, get through the cloud, get through the fog and keep moving forward in life. God, our culture is hungry for this, but this is the time where the church has got to stand. So God, today at Free Life Chapel, we come back and we say, forgive us and we humble ourselves again and we bow ourselves before your presence. We come back under the authority of Jesus Christ asking you to lead our life. Forgive us for choosing our own way. Forgive us for twisting your words. Forgive us for trying plan B or partial obedience. God, we're coming back with radical obedience so we can walk in self-inflicted blessing, self-inflicted advance, self-inflicted joy and hope and life. God, you said we can have it. You showed us how to initiate it in our own world. We say yes and amen to your will and your way. Today, we bring ourselves back to you that our homes will be established on your word, that your opinion will be the opinion that rules and reigns in our life guide and lead all that we are, all that we do. And as we decide right, our emotions, our peace will follow because you are the way, the truth, and the life. Today we say yes to your plan. I want you to take 30 seconds and you talk to him for yourself right there. You talk to him. You talk to him. What area do you need to bow? What area do you need to bring back to him? Is it a private life? Is it your finances? Is it in the marriage? Is it in the business? Is it with your kids? What is it? I'm bringing it back, God. I've tried it my way. It doesn't work. I need you. I say yes to your will, your plan, your way. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy that doesn't condemn us but celebrate us as we move towards you. Father, today we see you with a smile on your face, with joy in your heart as a father, welcoming your kids back to a place of blessing and increase. We honor you for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. If you love him and if you receive that, would you put those hands together today? Come on. I know it's tight, but it's good for us to hear.